This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Three, two, one. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. Um, also, Congress is looking at a bipartisan PFOS package that might also cover some of these topics. And so it's really important to, to be involved and so that you actually have a voice in how these regulations develop over time. That's WQA Government Affairs Director Jeremy Pollack talking about the EPA's new ruling on PFAS and what it means for the water treatment industry. And welcome to WQA Radio, the weekly podcast from the Water Quality Association, promoting better water quality around the world. This is episode number 326. If you're a first-time listener, we want to welcome you. We're glad you're here. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a show. That's the magic of podcasting. And be sure to share this podcast with someone you know. We're publishing this July 5th of 2023. If you're in the United States, we hope you're having a great 4th of July holiday week. Find us at wqa.org on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. In this episode, we feature a portion of a recent WQA, WQRF webinar, PFAS and Forecasting the Regulatory Landscape. WQA Government Affairs Director Jeremy Pollack summarized the comments that WQA has submitted to the federal EPA, the Federal Environmental Protection Agency, on its first national primary drinking water regulation for six PFAS chemicals. Those comments highlight the capabilities of third-party certified POU and POE drinking water treatment systems. Later, we'll have our Motivational Minute and WQA tip. Now on to Jeremy Pollack on WQA Radio. I'm excited to speak with all of you today um, about uh, the EPA's uh, proposed regulation regarding PFAS. Uh, so the national primary drinking water regulations, which are crafted by the EPA, are legally enforceable primary standards and treatment techniques that apply to public water systems. Uh, earlier this year, uh, the EPA announced uh, they're proposing a drinking water regulation for six PFOS chemicals, um, including PFOA and PFOS, um, each at four parts per trillion. They also proposed something pretty unique for the other four PFOS chemicals by creating a hazard index. Um, if you have not reviewed the regulation, I do encourage you to visit the EPA website. Um, there's a ton of uh, supporting information and analysis provided. Um, of course, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out uh, to Government Affairs after today's webinar. Uh, I will say that the EPA has requested public comment on the proposed regulation. Um, and in doing so, WQA thought it was important on behalf of the industry to submit comments. Um, before uh, providing a summary of what WQA has submitted, I did want to talk very briefly um, about the, the date for finalizing the regulation and then also enforcement. Um, so initially, the EPA was aiming to finalize a regulation after reviewing public comments. So this may or may, or may not change uh, by the end of 2023. Um, however, likely uh, because of the sheer number of comments they received, this will be in 2024. Uh, with these drinking water regulations, they do leave a gap uh, for public water systems prepare to prepare. And that is at 
uh, three years. So we're really looking at 2027 or at the earliest 2026. Um, but the EPA does have the ability to extend it another two years. Um, so it's possible that this won't go into effect until 2029. Um, however, we won't know for sure until they finalize the rule, um, which will which may or may not change again based on public comments. Um, so with that, I wanted to share a a couple highlights from WQA submitted comments. These are located on our website under the advocacy tab and then the sub tab on policy positions. I encourage you uh, to read the letter we sent along with the supporting information and analysis. Um, WQA does not provide specific recommendations on what an appropriate maximum contaminant level is. Um, however, we do believe it's really important to inform the EPA on the current feasibility of mitigation and treatment techniques in relation to any proposed regulation. And that's because point of use and point of entry systems are already used by a number of businesses um, or communities and homes um, to help remove or remediate health contaminants, including PFOS, um, but also this technology can be used for compliance of small water systems. Um, so with that, our comments uh, really uh, are, are these three main points. And then there's also some educational materials that I'll cover uh, in a moment. Uh, but mainly what we wanted to emphasize was that the point of use and point of entry water treatment industry may already have multiple products that can reduce PFOS chemicals to near or below the proposed MCLs. Uh, something I do want to flag as part of this is because these products, um, when they are being certified and tested, they're using extremely high influent challenge levels. So it is conceivable that point of use and point of entry products um, that are already out there may be able to reduce to even lower levels, uh, depending on actual applications in the field, um, which are likely, uh, depending on where you are, could be lower than those, those high uh, influent challenge levels. Uh, additionally, uh, the EPA in their analysis only considered point of use versus osmosis systems in their analysis. However, we're aware of a wide array of point of use and point of entry technologies that can remove PFOS chemicals. Uh, so with point of use technologies uh, currently used, we know RO systems, of course, uh, but also filters, uh, specifically POU filters that contain activated carbon or other types of media such as anion exchange media. Um, which can help improve the removal efficacy of PFOS. Uh, additionally, point of entry treatment for PFOS can be accomplished using anion exchange systems, whole house filtration, and whole house RO systems. And so we wanted the EPA to include in any uh, final regulation the availability of these products um, and mention um, that they're effective in reducing or removing PFOS. Uh, Last but not least, we also emphasize that EPA's cost analysis that, again, only looked at POURO systems and should include other technology, uh, was conservative uh, in their analysis. They did deem this cost effective for small water systems. However, we think it will even be more cost effective than they indicated based on a variety of factors. And we also encourage the EPA um, to provide guidance to small systems and make sure they do their own fit for purpose. Uh, analysis when they're determining if they're going to use a point of use or point of, point of entry solution, which would be cost effective for their, their situation. Um, and so that's where most of our, uh, our comments uh, ranged when we wanted them to include something in the final regulation. Uh, but we also did include some other information that we thought was important for the EPA uh, to know before finalizing anything. Um, again, because the EPA encourages the using of third, 
third-party certified products to ensure the systems function as intended. We provided information on the two existing standards uh, for testing and certifying water filtration systems that offer elective claims for PFOA and PFOS, uh, which are NSF ANSI 53 and 58. Um, we also included information on lab capabilities, and then we also included information on water sampling for before and after treatment and some of the factors that they should take into consideration when working with states um, or water systems and providing this information. Um, so with that, um, I will say again, these are on our website. I encourage everyone to take a look at these. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Right, we, we have seen the proposed drinking water regulation, but for some of these questions with disposal or toxic substances, right, this is going to be an ongoing process. And so again, this is, if it's something through the EPA, there will be a public comment period. We encourage people, to, you know, to be involved, keep an eye out, um, you know, work with WQA or other organizations on this. They wanna hear from stakeholders because they know that this is something that you're working and dealing uh, with every single day. Um, also Congress is looking at a bipartisan PFOS package that might also cover some of these topics. And so it's really important to, to be involved and so that you actually have a voice in how these regulations develop over time. And toward the end of the webinar, Jeremy was asked about the timing of the new regulation. So. It is currently unknown. Uh, typically, it's three years after the rule is finalized. That enforcement date would be 2027. But of course, you know, states have already started putting in their own MCLs. And then once the EPA finalizes a rule, some of those states might, might act before that date. Um, but I know there's a number of water systems or groups that represent those uh, systems that have talked about this timeline and how even to get a, a project approved, for example, um, and bring their systems up to speed, it takes several years. Um, so I know they've been pushing for a more extensive timeline um, to that five-year possibility, uh, but right now it's really unknown if the EPA will do that. Um, so I would just move forward with that th the typical three-year timeline in mind. Jeremy Pollack, WQA's Government Affairs Director, speaking during a recent WQA, WQRF webinar on the new PFAS drinking water regulation. Learn more and stay up to date at WQA.org. In our Motivational Minute, I've been thinking about change recently. We had a presentation about artificial intelligence, AI, at the office recently, and wow, if there is something that has the potential and power to disrupt our life as we know it, it's AI and generative AI. It's absolutely fascinating. But in almost any story that I've read, somebody's asking what jobs are going to be replaced. In other words, change is going to have winners and losers. And of course, that's typically the way the economy works, doesn't it? So our approach to change must always be not how do we avoid it, but how do we respond to the change? And then going one step further, use the change to your advantage. Learn how to position yourself to truly benefit from the change. Our WQA tip, next year's convention will be March 5th through the 7th, 2024 in Orlando. It will be even bigger and better than this year's and you won't want to miss it. If you would like to be a convention presenter in 2024, guidelines and applications are available online now. 
go to convention.wqa.org and keep checking back for more information and when registration will open later in the year. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, a podcast of the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on most popular podcast apps. Learn more about water at wqa.org and, of course, learn about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at wqa.org. This is Wes Bleed. So long from WQA Radio.